throughout the season of Epiphany, we're looking closely at how Jesus presents himself to the world through scripture. We're paying attention and exploring how the God revealed in Jesus Christ tells us about himself. This week at the wedding at Cana, Jesus' first miracle, we learn about the face of God's suffering. Stick with me. Jesus' first miracle here in Cana of Galilee acts like an egg timer. This event kicks off his public ministry. It starts the clock on his walk to the cross. The moment that this God-made man begins to reveal himself in miracles, the path is locked into place. I don't mean to say that Jesus would have rewritten history if he'd just stuck with his first answer to Mary. We'll get to that in a minute. But that he knew in a way that a lot of us don't know that this particular decision and action would set the course for the rest of his life. I've always sort of wondered why such a big deal is made of this first miracle at a wedding reception. The affirmation of this miracle's importance and its venue made it all the way into our prayer book on page 423. Our Lord Jesus Christ adorned this manner of life by his presence and first miracle at a wedding in Cana of Galilee. It's the very second sentence in the marriage rite. And I've always found it a little bit far-fetched. But looking again at the decision that Jesus made here, I wonder if there's more to see. Jordan's THD advisor is famous for saying, many things, among them, you always marry the wrong person. I will admit I've pulled that phrase out more than once in the last decade, but Jordan's rejoinder is the second part of his advisor's wisdom, but you always marry the right person. This is all to say that while Jesus may have known that this exposing himself as a miracle worker in public would set off the chain of events leading irrevocably to the cross. Marriage vows do exactly the same kind of thing to anyone who enters into them, setting off a chain of events that directly and indirectly directs the rest of your life. Jesus never experienced marriage, not in the common human way, Instead, God is married and covenanted to all of creation. And at this moment in the Gospel of John, he steps forward and makes that commitment, using his body and spirit and power to begin revealing the good news of God's kingdom of abundance. Rather than a sermon, though, about believing in good things or naming and claiming great vats of wine... I want to stay with the more uncomfortable moment here in this passage because I know that there are a lot more uncomfortable moments in our lives, tenuous and scratchy or downright painful, than there are moments of mountaintops or swimming in pools of gold coin. Aren't intimate relationships the hardest ones? Anybody? Yeah? 
No? Easier to be with your wife than with the cashier at the checkout? Yes, that's right. Those long-term relationships between two spouses or between a parent and child or between two siblings. When you get into ruts and habits, when you're so deep into a familiar way of doing things that you just don't even think about them anymore. You get to know the other person's looks and whims, their ways of dealing with anger, their ways of dealing with love. You see their weaknesses. You know their deepest fears. There's a lot of power in those relationships. Power for freedom and for speaking the truth in great love. There's also power for manipulation and oppression. It's a double-edged sword that runs through our communities, too. The ways that we're complicit in bad habits and even complicit in evil itself because we've never thought to question it, because it just seems to be working okay for us, because resistance just seems so darn exhausting. Though the outcome would have been the same, I think it would have been a very different story if when Mary had said, they have no wine, Jesus had just said, yes, ma'am, as surely he had been trained to say by polite society to his dear mother and then had hopped to do his mother's bidding. That's not what Jesus did. He ended up doing exactly what Mary had implied, but he reflected on it first. He very, very consciously chose to undertake this action and this miracle. Having told Mary, woman, my hour has not yet come, Jesus knows that saying yes to this call for more wine is more than just playing bartender. He knows that it's the egg timer. Jesus knows the path of suffering clicks into place. And he chooses it anyway. I've found it's the same with our marriages and with rearing children, living with our aging parents and caring with, for them with our cantankerous siblings. The easiest and least suffering that we can experience in these relationships is to be a doormat or to put up a wall, to let others and their desires and directions just run your life or just do their own thing. This is suffering too. Just like if Jesus had said, yes, ma'am, and gone along with what Mary said. But this kind of suffering, passive suffering, suffering without your taking part in it, without you choosing it, that is not holy suffering. It is cursed. It is the suffering of the battered woman, which is never God's call. It is the same suffering of the starving child, which is never God's call. It's the suffering of the kid passed around foster care, which is never God's call. The suffering of being bled dry by an addict in your family, it is never God's call. 
God's call is to an even harder suffering. God's call is to saying no to the addiction, to the abuse, to the poverty, and to the brokenness. God's call in Jesus Christ in at the wedding in Cana is to look suffering in the face, to resist the evil, <clears throat> and thereby suffering will be a byproduct, but the real root is refusing to let evil have a foothold in your life, refusing to put up a wall, refusing to be a doormat, refusing to look the other way. Martin Luther King Jr. could have lived a long and comfortable life. He could have carved out a little corner in Atlanta, Georgia, or Montgomery, Alabama, for himself and his family. He could have kept his mouth shut. He could have endured the passive suffering of being a black man in this past century for his entire life and had a long one. Each of you know that that is not what he did. He chose suffering. He chose it for the sake of rooting out evil in his own life, in his community, and in the life of this country. Dr. King followed closely the urging of Colossians 3.13, bear with one another in love. Instead of keeping a quiet life with the passive suffering of racial injustice nipping at his heels throughout, he turned and faced this suffering, chose a path of truth-telling and constant vigilance for the sake of bearing with his brothers and sisters in the love of truth. True love is choosing to tell the truth to the addicted, to the oppressor, to the blinded. And then not to leave after the blow up or after the tears, but to do the hard suffering work of bearing with one another, of staying put. Amen. Thank <clears throat> you.